welcome to Addicted to Murder. This is Courtney, licensed professional counselor with over a decade of experience. And this is Trisha, and it's been a while since I've seen a bolide. A bolide? It's a shooting star. Oh. I don't, I think it's been a couple years since I've probably been outside long enough staring at the sky to see one. I think that's probably true. It's like when I go camping usually. I haven't been camping for a while. Hmm. When it's not like super smoky, <laughs> so you can right, see the sky or cloudy because yeah. we live in Oregon. <laughs> so, anyways, yeah, welcome to Addicted to Murder, Billy Milligan, Part Three. Yes, uh, probably going to be a four-parter, as they typically tend to be, especially these ones with long, complicated pre-crime lives. Yeah, and this one's got that plus, us, you know, crazy mental, crazy. Yeah. I don't know. That's plus right word, twenty-three whatever. alternate personalities. Yeah, and yeah. um, that. I was just re-watching that documentary, and that is disputed how many it really has. So, yeah, but we're going to go with that, with that, so. Right. I mean, Billy's the only one who can really know. Mm-hmm. And spoiler alert, Billy died. <laughs> <laughs> right. So that's, that's over um, to get any more information out of him. But before we jump in, I've got a question. Let's do it. Courtney, are you allergic to anything? That's a good question. I am allergic to penicillin and penicillin-adjacent mm-hmm. medications and um, tree pollen mm-hmm. allergies. So when all the flowers are blooming, they're lovely, but they make me sneeze a lot. I, too, am allergic to, pen- to penicillin oh. and sulfa. Interesting. So it's like whenever I have to get an antibiotic, it's always fun to see what's going to happen. Right. Yeah. So there's that, and I'm allergic to grass, oh. pollen, right? And I've learned this recently. I'm allergic to um, bivalves, so like clams, oh, or mussels, and it sucks because I like them. I was gonna say that's so sad. I know they're so tasty. And if I, I mean, I could have a tiny bit, but if I have like say five of those like steamer clams mm-hmm. my gut is not okay and I learned that you have um like histamine in your gut so not just like in your nasal cavity you know mm-hmm. where you take anison you also have them in your gut and so that can flare up too when you eat things that you're allergic to so that makes sense yeah it's kind of weird so maybe if I took like an antihistamine and had the clams I'd be okay but I'm sort right. of afraid to take that like eat a risk. clam and take a Benadryl. And see what happens. I mean, mm-hmm. one clam's usually okay. It's like if I go, you know, crazy and have the whole bowl of steamer clams, which is what I want to do. Right. It's, it's not fun. No. So anyways, yeah. All right. Okay. Good well, question. None of us, though, are uh, severely allergic to anything that we know of. You don't have to have an EpiPen for anything. I don't either. Nope. I just get breakout in hives. Yeah. Uh-huh. Same, and if I get stung by anything, uh-huh. um, I get huge welts, oh. larger than average welts. But I don't. I don't. I don't get anaphylaxis. So. I just get normal. No, I get things. Yeah, real bad. It's gross. Okay, well, why don't you give us a little bit of recap? Okay, so the past two weeks we have learned about Billy's terribly abusive childhood at the hands of his stepfather, Chalmer. Then we learned about the emergence of his 23 alters, starting at age of four with Christine. And ultimately, we learned about the main alters that 
are sort of represented the most in his story, which are Arthur, Reagan, Alan, Tommy, and Danny. And for the full list and descriptions, um, please revisit episode two, um, the last one in our series where we go over all of them kind of at the end. Um, And then through all of this, we learned that Billy was facing the consequences of all this chaos. Um, He was struggling in school. He was getting in trouble. And eventually he spent three months in an inpatient hospital. And then at the very end of our episode last week, Billy was struggling with suicidal thoughts, tried to jump off the roof of his school, but was stopped by Reagan, and then Reagan and Arthur decided that Billy needed to be put to sleep for his own safety. Right, and he was taken out of that inpatient hospital by his mom, kind of AMA. He should have been there for longer, we feel. Right. But she wanted him back, so. All right, so now Billy is, you know, quote, asleep, and Alan got a job at a florist shop, which Timothy loved and would come out to work. Adelana occasionally would do this as well because she enjoyed arranging flowers. So remember I told you that the altars were excellent painters. Well, they convinced the owner of the flower shop to display their works. And if they sold anything, the owner could take a commission. They had a good idea. They sold a lot of paintings. Tommy's landscapes sold the most, but Alan sold some portraits and Danny some still lifes. Unfortunately, the owner of the flower shop made a pass at Timothy, so Timothy was on the spot. Um, Timothy fled, and Danny came to the spot who saw that, you know, saw what was happening, and it freaked him out, and he started to scream and run away. Oh, I'm going to sneeze. Tree pollen. Or, I mean, grass pollen. <laughs> uh, the next day when Tommy went to work, he was very confused to find that the man had moved everything out of the shop and closed it. So after Timothy freaked out, um, the, the dude freaked out himself and split, right? And he also took all of the paintings with him. So that really angered Tommy and all the others. That was their, like, passion projects, right? So Alan, um, they moved on. Alan next got a job at a nursing home. Mark, who is an altar we did not really introduce last time, primarily worked this gig. It was easy, repetitive work. That job didn't last long once the company found out that Billy was only 16 and they let him go. Billy got pretty terrible grades in high school and Tommy taught one of the other altars to build a dummy bomb, which resulted in a real bomb threat. I guess all the staff suspected Billy, but there was no proof. So uh, this happened just after Billy turned 17. Um, and then at that time, he was just doing so crappy in school and in, in life in general that Billy joined the Navy. Um, Tommy and Alan decided to do this. So Dorothy had to give permission since he was underage. So she took him down to the recruiter's offices Uh, And one of the questions that they asked was if he had ever been mentally ill or in a state hospital. And they told the truth. They said that he was committed for three months for hysterical neurosis, which was that diagnosis that he had. But the recruiter said, well, that's, you know, everyone's a little hysterical here and there. And they didn't need to put that in the paperwork. And they, they enlisted him. So he was cleared and he started basic training the next week. Billy had been in the Civil Air Patrol in high school, and because of this, it got him the position of RPOC, or Recruit Petty Officer in Charge, and he actually was in charge of 160 other recruits. 
And after two weeks, things started to go downhill. Alan checked in at home during this time and learned that Chalmer was beating Dorothy again. And this caused a lot of anger and a lot of depression amongst some of the altars. And it caused another, quote, mix-up time. Billy's altars kept switching places. So sometimes he was a great leader. Other times, like when Sean would take over, his shoes would be on the wrong feet. Uh, Danny would go to the sick bay a lot because he was so depressed. And it got to the point where an investigator came in to observe him. After evaluation of by this investigator, which Philip told his commanding officer to fuck off, Billy was reassigned to the recruit evaluation unit. And a week after that, he was honorably discharged because he was, quote, temperamentally unsuitable for further training. Courtney? I'm not surprised that things went a little haywire when he joined the military. You know, it was a major change of location and expectations, which would be stressful for anybody, but even more so with a mind that was as fractured as Billy's was. You know, I imagine that boot camp would have a lot of reminders of growing up under Chalmers' supervision. For example, there's very little room for mistakes and insubordination is just not tolerated. And it really is probably for the best that he was discharged from the military. Can you imagine if he were to be like out on some dangerous mission and switched altars, especially mm-hmm. if the switch was to one of the very young children like Christine out in a war zone? It probably would not have gone well. Right. Um, probably shouldn't have been allowed in in the first place. but Right. But this was around um, kind of when, 70- like, when Vietnam war was going on or was just starting or something like that. Yeah, they were probably a little bit desperate for right for people volunteer mm-hmm. voluntarily mm-hmm. joining. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. When Billy was discharged, he was given a plane ticket back to Columbus, Ohio. But Philip, who was on the spot, had other ideas. He decided to go check out the Big Apple, a.k.a. New York City, with a couple others who were discharged as well. And he got on a bus with them to go to New York. Philip, then David, wandered around the city for four days, not really having a good time, uh, but then Alan took over. And when Alan saw what day it was and where he was, he became very confused. So he found a, his airline ticket, the one-way ticket to New York, or I'm sorry, the one, or his ticket to Columbus in his belongings, thought he was in Ohio, realized he wasn't. So he was like, crap, and he didn't have enough money to get home. And so he went to the air, air, airport and negotiated with the staff at Kennedy and was somehow able, using his you know master of rhetoric, to transfer the ticket. Um, he, he concocted some story. Anyways, they issued him a new ticket to get back home. But he was pissed off about it. <laughs> Right. (laughs) It was like, what the hell? Um, So anyways, he did get himself home after all that. And now remember, Billy's still 17. So when he got home, he got another job. And this time it was as a vacuum salesman. And he had a coworker or boss or whoever at the sales job. And the guy really wanted to take Billy on a double date. I think he kind of thought Billy had never had sex before, which, you know, Billy hadn't. But... One of his alters had, and he was trying to, I don't know, get him, show him a good show time. Him a good time. So the guy knew some sex workers is what I think that they were and kind of hired them to go out with him and Billy. 
And it was actually Alan that was there, and he told them that he just wasn't interested. Um, and then a fight ensued between the sex workers and you know the colleague of Billy's, and the colleague of Billy's got really pissed off and just left the woman in the woods and took off. So I don't know what really happened this that night. This is just what Billy says happened or whomever says what mm-hmm. happened. Um, but it was supposed to be Billy's first time with sex workers. He refused. Um, his friend got mad that the women didn't do what he paid them to do, got pissed off, and then just drove away and left them there. So a few days later, both Billy and his work buddy were arrested for kidnapping, rape, and assault. So there was also a rifle in that guy's car, and the women saw it. So the kidnapping charge was eventually dropped, but Billy was found guilty of the other charges. And even though he had just turned 18, he was sent to the Ohio Youth Commission facility for an indefinite amount of time. And right around this time, Dorothy finally divorced Chalmer. So, Courtney, what do you think? Do you have any inclination on if the charges were true or fabricated? You know, this is just conjecture, Mm -hmm. of course, um, since I was not there. But I don't think that the charges were fabricated. You know, I do believe that Alan and his work friend picked up some sex workers and left them in the woods after an altercation. Um, and I also believe that Alan declined to participate in sexual behavior. Uh, you know, it was reported many times in the book that the vast majority of alters were not interested in or were afraid of sex because of the sexual abuse that Billy experienced. So do you maybe think that one of the alter, other alters came forward and did have sex with the sex worker? Or do you think that Billy's body did nothing and that the sex workers just included him in this when he didn't do anything wrong? I I think he was just included mm-hmm. um, because he was part of, like he was there. He was also in the car when it was driven away. And so to the sex workers, it was like a team effort. Yeah. Well, regardless, he did get, you know, incarcerated into a juvenile lockup. And he did do a lot of painting at the facility. One of his supervisors was very impressed with the paintings, and they even started to sell them. Eventually, when the higher-ups found out that they were selling the paintings, they had to call all the people that they had sold the paintings to and ask for them back and refund them their money. And the way that the higher-up found out was because his paintings were so good and popular that people were calling the youth lockup to buy them. (laughs) So... (laughs) I've seen pictures of his paintings or their paintings, whatever. They're really, really good. They are really good. Yeah. Billy was a pretty good prisoner, and he even liked the facility once he got the hang of it, and the bullies left him alone. He was approved for furlough, and his mom picked him up to take him home for a home visit. He was excited because Chalmer was finally gone, but Dorothy had already started dating another man, Del Moore. Now, Dell was an upgrade from Chalmer, that's for sure. They just didn't really get along well because Dell just thought Billy was a liar, but, you know, really it was just the altars constantly switching around. Billy was released from the facility completely and decided he needed to get his own place. So Alan got a job, and the altars tried to come to an understanding of sorts to keep them out of trouble. So they never wanted to have to go to jail again. If any of the altars violated the rules, they would be cast out, never to take the spot. And one of the first to be banished was Samuel. Samuel was the Jewish altar who one day needed money and sold two of the other altars' paintings. His punishment for this was to not be allowed access any longer because those paintings meant a lot to the altars that created them. 
Martin was also banished for a fit he threw on a golf a golf course. Apparently, his snobbishness pissed Arthur off. Eventually, they moved out, and along with moving out, Reagan had acquired a couple of firearms. Now, this moving out process was complicated as the child alters were still taking the spot. So Reagan had to have his guns hidden and safety caps had to be put on all the bottles, including rigging one for Reagan's vodka as Reagan enjoyed a drink of his homeland. Adelana and April were at odds with each other because they both wanted the kitchen duty free reign to be theirs. There was literally too many cooks in the kitchen, it seemed. April was still obsessing about killing Chalmer. This was her plan. Quote, if she could lure Chalmer to the apartment, she would tie him in the chair and burn his body bit by bit with the blowtorch. She would keep him awake with amphetamines and the heat of the blowtorch would amputate each toe and finger, cauterizing it as it did, so there would be no blood. She wanted him to suffer here before he went to hell. She was also banished for being insane. Courtney, we just went over a lot. Pick apart what you will for us. Okay, um, well let's start with something positive, which is the paintings. Um, So something to remember about alters in the case of dissociative identity disorder is that they are not like whole other personalities. They are parts of a whole, the whole being Billy. Um, So the artistic talent started out just as Billy's kind of like innate feature. Um, But the specific styles of painting that the alters did were very specific because they were just one part, which is why they only painted certain kinds of paintings. Um... Now, when it comes to creating the undesirables and banishing the alters that cause trouble for the system and for Billy, this is a really good example of gatekeeping, which is one of the roles that alters can play. We talked about that last week a little bit. Um, And then, you know, with the big change of moving out on their own, making these rules and holding all of them accountable is actually a pretty great protective measure. You know, imagine if, like, teenage you or I had the ability to banish the most impulsive or self-sabotaging parts of ourselves. Like, how many stupid decisions could we have avoided? Yeah, that's true. Um, There is a whole, almost several pages in the book dedicated to what these rules are, but they're pretty basic rules. You know, don't hurt anyone, keep children safe, you know, that kind of thing. But if you're interested, go ahead and check out that book. Yes. There's a lot of information in there. One day, Kevin came out and wanted a drug fix, and he had a connection he may have met in the juvenile lockup. He worked out a deal with him to deal drugs for money and to get his own supply. He successfully sold the pot he was fronted and made some money. Kevin had been seeing a girl named Marlene. Well, she had been around for a few others as well, but the first time they started to get physical, Adelana forced Kevin off the spot. Now, one of the rules the alters were supposed to abide by was that of celibacy. Arthur told all the boys not to have sex ever, but he didn't tell Adelana, and so she felt it was okay to not follow this rule. So with Kevin dealing pot and Adelana having sex, when the other alters came around and random people were around um, when they came to the spot, they got really confused and they went into another bad mix-up time. Alan decided it was time to move again. It was just too much. Billy got fired for his erratic behavior and missing work, and Reagan bought more guns. Kevin decided he wanted to get further involved in the dealing business. He went above the guy he had been getting his small amounts from to that guy's boss. 
Well, there was an altercation and Reagan had to save his ass. But, excuse me, Reagan impressed this new dealer so much with how he handled his men physically that he gave him a job as a bodyguard of sorts. Quote, in the weeks that followed, Reagan rode shotgun for deliveries of narcotics to various dealers and customers in and around Columbus. During this mix-up time, Kevin and Philip Excuse me. Kevin and Philip were stealing the spot and doing drugs, barbiturates, and amphetamines, etc. Courtney, well, this is what happens when only the impulsive and thrill-seeking teenage parts of a person are in control. Uh, they make very poor decisions, break the rules, and look for the easiest ways to do things, like make money. Not to mention that drugs and alcohol, which already have mind-altering properties let alone when they're altering a mind that is already altered and fractured. You know, doing drugs as a multiple means that all 23 alters that share the body are being impacted by that drug. So how scary would that be, say, if you came on the spot and you were high but didn't know what that was supposed to feel like? Like Christine or Sean? Right. Or like Danny, who's afraid of everything and he's on meth? Right. Yeah. That would be so I scary. Didn't think about that. Mm-hmm. Around this time, they got fired from another job when young David came in the spot and crashed the forklift Alan had been driving into a pillar. David also was left on the spot when one of the altars OD'd. Oh, kind of like we were just talking about, mm-hmm. and had to have his stomach pump- pumped. When he got out of the hospital, Philip took too many red capsules and OD'd again and had to have his stomach pumped again. Marlene was still hanging around a lot. Some of the alters liked her. Others, like Arthur, thought she was annoying. She thought Billy was moody and broken and needed to fix him. One day, Arthur used one of the fake passports Reagan had acquired and decided he wanted to go to his motherland, England. He bought a one-way ticket to London. Of course, that didn't go as planned because after Arthur went to bed that first night, Alan awoke the next morning not knowing where the heck he was. I can't imagine how confusing that would be to wake up in London. He only had 75 bucks on him and no ticket home. Alan went to the airport, like last time, and used his wits and lies to con a ticket back to the States. Thank goodness they have Alan, right? Right. Walter came out one day and wanted to hunt big game, because remember, he's the Australian big game hunter. But of course, all he could find was a crow, and he killed the crow. He was banished because of the killing of an innocent animal for sport. Some of the alters were in love with Marlene, and others, including Arthur, thought that she was the reason they were headed into a bad mix-up time, and he demanded that they break things off with her. They did break up during this time for a while. One evening, Danny was stopped at a... I'm sorry, you guys, I'm jumping around a lot. I can kind of hear that as I'm saying it. There's just like a whole lot of small incidents that are happening this time during this time, which... I'm using to show how chaotic and fractured his life is. Right. So, so this is really how the story played yeah. out. So I'm sorry if it's just like boom, 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 boom. And I'm realizing it now as I'm saying it. <laughs> but it does seem like a little quick jumps here. But okay. One evening, Danny was stopped at a rest stop to use the facilities when he was nearly accosted by a man in drag. Reagan, of course, came out and put the man down and then why, might as well just stole his watch. This was the beginning to a new way of making money. Philip and his drug dealer friend began to lure men in at rest areas, then rob them of their belongings. After several of these robberies, Kathy and Jim, so Billy's brother and sister, sister and brother, found some of the men's wallets at Billy's house. 
They confronted him about it, eventually involving Dell and his mom. They decided to try their best to cover what cover up what Billy had done. One of the altars, Kevin most likely, then decided to help rip off a drugstore and then steal those drugs from the people he was working with. Well, Billy was ratted on and was arrested for the theft of the pharmacy. While awaiting trial, two of the people he had robbed at the rest area came forward and fingered him as their assailant. So on March 27, 1975, Billy pled guilty to robbery and aggravated robbery. He got two to five years at Lebanon Correctional Institution. Courtney? One of the things that Billy talked a lot about in the book was the fear and confusion that he would feel when he would wake up in jail or in an interrogation room with strangers telling him that he had done these terrible things that he could not remember. And, you know, when presented with clear evidence, like multiple people identifying him, he couldn't refute the charges and had no memory with which he could have even tried to come up with an alibi. So it's almost like his only choice was to plead guilty. Well, and this is something I've been conflicted with in this case. Yes, it wasn't Billy who did these horrible things, but it was a part of Billy who did these horrible things, right? Right, and it was Billy's body who Uh did these things. And it's one of the fractured pieces of his identity that, or two, or whatever, that did these things. So the whole not, when people, you know, if they ever get, you know, not found guilty by reason of insanity, especially in a multiple case, they still did the act. Whether or not their core remembers it. Right. So I, yeah, this case is conflicting to me because, I don't know. We'll see as, as we go on. But. Right. Yeah, we'll definitely get into that a little more next time. <laughs> right. Well, Reagan was put in charge at the prison, but Arthur got them a job working in the lab with the prison doctor. So he finally got to do what he always wanted to do. Hematology, kind of. He would help do blood and urine counts. Some of the alters did well in prison. Others, like Lee, pulled too many pranks and ended up banished or leaving for good. It was a crazy time, literally for Billy and his alters, and the inmates were unsure what was up with him. He was transferred to different parts of the prison because of fighting and drug charges, uh, cocaine, I believe, at the time, and all kinds of things. But eventually he was paroled two years later, uh, April of, in April of 1977. Unfortunately, Billy did not stay out of trouble long. On October 14, 1977, his real crime spree began. He kidnapped an optometry student at gunpoint from the Ohio State University parking lot. Carrie Dreyer was forced into her passenger seat, and Billy took the keys. She was driven quite a ways, and then Billy forced her to take off her pants and underwear. Quote, do you know what it's like to be lonely, not to be held by anyone for a long time? Not to know the meaning of love? Um, Carrie noted later that Billy's eyes kept going back and forth in like a weird frenzy way. She said that she was consciously trying to remember that for detail. Billy tried to rape the woman, but she had some sort of medical condition that she said made her muscles spasm and it, and it didn't work physically. So Billy or whomever it was, was really pissed, but then changed to sad. He then said he said he needed money. So she wrote him a check for $400 and they drove around until they could cash it. When complete with all of this, whatever just happened, he left Carrie in the car and then he just went home. 
Billy would go on to do this two more times, once on October 22nd with Donna West and then on October 26th with Polly Newton. Those two times, though, he would be successful in his rape, and he would also rob the woman as well. Courtney? Well, we'll definitely talk about this all in more detail next week, but when you say that Billy got in trouble and engaged in these rapes and burglaries, part of that is, you know, what's really happening is that Billy's body was definitely doing these behaviors, but Billy himself Mm -hmm. was not there. At least that's what he claims. Um, And so this is, you know, the part of the story that became famous, that kind of started the whole interest in in Billy Milligan and his multiple personalities. Um, And it's what most people remember him for. He was the campus rapist. Yeah. Or the multiple personality rate. Well, he would become. Right. Because his moniker before he got caught. I mean, his spree of doing these rapes was pretty short. It was like a month. Right. um, Time. But he did. When they saw a pattern, um, the Ohio police or whatever, they did call him the campus rapist or whatever. Right. I think it was, was it Ohio State? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So um, for a while, a few weeks at least, people were scared because there was someone out there raping people. And robbing them. And robbing them on campus. So anyways, yeah. So it will be interesting to find out which or which one or more of these alters is, is who did these horrible acts um and we'll figure that out next time yeah when we talk Probably about be surprising the arrest and the trial and everything that happened after yeah so that's it for today and i hope it wasn't too confusing i feel like i sort of flubbed up a little bit describing some of these things but this is tough this is a hard one to describe <laughs> so if you it guys is. can follow along with the names constantly being switched luckily a lot of these names are obviously the ones that are, are in the story more because they're more present so I think I'm hoping people can like just follow along and be like okay well we know Alan we know Kevin we know Arthur we right know. Like, yeah it's all it's all really Billy not a whole bunch of <laughs> outside people right so that's what I hope anyways and um yeah do you have anything you want to say I think we said all there is to say. No need to confuse things even more. I know. Yeah. All right. Well, stay safe, everyone, and we'll see you next Tuesday. Bye. Bye.